Technology is the best of times and the worst of times. When it works, it's awesome, and when it doesn't, it can be distracting. And I hope that you uh, keep your bulletin handy, and when that happens, simply grab it and keep worshiping. Refuse to be distracted, and uh, we promise to keep working on the kinks. Uh, Also, I wanted to make sure that you knew that the uh, Middle Valley Pavilion is ours. Uh, that that is our pavilion out in Middle Valley on Hicks and Pike, and that's where the celebration, picnic, and worship service will be in May. So I encourage you to come to the right place. All right. When Christ calls a man, when Christ calls a woman, that is inclusive. When Christ calls a person, when he calls you, what do we hear? We're in John chapter 11. I'm going to read from verses 5 through 16. But we'll spend most of our time in verse 16. John 11, verses 5 to 16. Hear then the word of God. Now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and her sister Mary, and Lazarus, so that when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered them, and he said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. And Jesus was now speaking of his death. But they thought that he meant that he was taking a nap, that he was taking the rest in sleep. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so Thomas called the twin, Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to you and to your word. We bow our knees and we open our hearts, that we might receive. Father, would you grant your spirit that we might hear? Would you do that work that only you can do and call us to yourself, call us afresh into a life of sacrifice and service in the cause of Christ. For we ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus and his disciples had withdrawn from Jerusalem. They had had a rather scary, dangerous, violent encounter with the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. And so he had taken his disciples and he had withdrawn several miles to the Jordan, to the far side of the Jordan. And he was now ministering in a place where John the Baptist had initially ministered, and so he was at some distance from the danger. In verse 7, we see that, uh, or verse 8, we see that Jesus receives news. Verse 7, 3 and 4, sent to him saying that the sisters, it's sent to him saying that Lazarus is ill in verses 3 and 4 and 5. And he receives word that Lazarus is sick. Lazarus and his family live in Bethany. Bethany is on the way to Jerusalem. It's about two miles short of Jerusalem. So if you were going from where Jesus was on the far side of of the Jordan to Jerusalem, you would have to pass through Bethany. And it would be about two miles shy, which is probably about an hour's walk. 
depending on how fast you walk. Probably about an hour. The disciples are convinced that to go near Jerusalem is a death sentence. Right? So Jesus in verse 7 suggests that they go again to Judea. And in verse 8, the disciples say to him, Rabbi, they're out to kill you. Right? They're out to stone you. They're out to get you. This is not a good idea. It's a death sentence. You have to look at chapter 10, verses 31 and 33 to see how this came down. In verse 31, it says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. In verse 33, it says the Jews answered him. It says it's not for any of the good works that you've done that we want to stone you, but for blasphemy. We want to stone you to death for blasphemy. Leadership is saying this out loud to the crowd, in the crowd, as they themselves pick up stones in response to his teaching about himself. This is a pretty hairy situation. I mean, they literally have stones in their hands. And they say, we are going to stone you for blasphemy. In verse 39, we're told that, again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. I don't know how he escaped other than I know that God delivers him. Maybe they hesitated because of the crowds, as they have so many times. But Jesus gets away. But he gets away as they're seeking to arrest him. And as they have announced that they intend to stone him for blasphemy. Right? What is very clear here is that the Jewish leadership is openly seeking Jesus' death. And the disciples are not wrong in verse 8 when they are scared. They're not wrong in saying that this is a dangerous thing to do, Jesus. It's probably a death sentence. So in verse 15, when they hear Jesus say again, after he responds to them and says, look, there's only so many hours in the day. You know, you've got you to make hay while the sun shines. You know, this is on my to-do list. I need to go and, uh, and see to our friend Lazarus. This is, this is something that's going to happen. They have a little discussion, a little confusion about whether he's sleeping or whether he's dead. When all this is settled out, Jesus says, let's go. We're going. And they must all be looking at each other hesitating, shuffling their feet, because Thomas has to say in verse 16 to his fellow disciples, let us go. Come on, guys. Let us go. That we
actually going to lose it. Right? To stay on that side of the Jordan and seek to protect yourself and to save your life, he says, you'll lose it. In that, in that choice, you lose it. But he who would lose his life for me and for my sake, for the kingdom and for the gospel, he says, that's when you find it. That's when it all comes alive. That's when it all, right? And the cross here, when he says you must deny yourself and take up your cross, the cross is not something that people just carried around. The cross, and most of you know this, was an instrument of execution. It was like an electric chair. It was like a hangman's noose. And when he says, take up your hangman's noose, take up your electric, take up your cross and carry it, it's not something you carry around. The person who carried the cross was nailed to it. You died on that cross if you carried it. It's clear that this is what Jesus means. (laughs) Because the very next verse, he says, the one who seeks to save his life, Right? Take up your cross and follow me. The one who seeks to save his life, to not take up the cross, to not follow me down that road, the one who seeks to save it is going to be the one who ends up losing it, forfeits it, lets it go. Because to follow me, when Jesus is fo- following Jesus means this, following Jesus. And he says the choice to not follow Jesus is the choice to not follow Jesus. And so he says... It means your death. The one who seeks to save it is going to lose it, but the one who will lose it for me and for my sake will find it. It's clear there, the next verse that I put in your bulletin under 2, Galatians 5. Paul, as he talks about this in his own writings, he says, those who belong to Jesus Christ, to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. What did Paul think that we were going to do with that cross? The one we took up and followed Jesus with. To hang it around our neck in gold. You know, we can do that as to, to remember, but there is another element that says that is our own crucifixion. That is our own death that we carry around with us. There is this, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. In other words, those who belong to Christ have taken up their cross and it's done its work in their lives, in their souls. Right? It's, it's changing them. The old man is put to death. The old life without Jesus and without following him into risk and the step in is, is crucified. And the one who tries to save his life to protect it here will lose it. Why? Because the very call to follow Jesus is the call to abandon ourselves. We find this so hard. I find this so hard. The very call to follow Jesus is the call to abandon ourselves. It's Thomas looking down that road and thinking, I got safety here and I got following Jesus here, whatever that means, whatever that may cause. And he had to, you see that the choice was to utterly abandon his life to say, let's go with Jesus. This is always the choice, (laughs) right? Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he was a German Lutheran pastor who deliberately went back to Germany and the danger of it and the height of it in order to minister, to write, to serve the church, to oppose wickedness. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he says when, man, when Christ calls a man, you're inclusive there, when Christ calls a woman, when Christ calls any person, when Christ calls you, he bids you, come and die. That's the call. 
That's what he's after. And the whole book, of, the whole point of Bonhoeffer's book is that we tend to do, tone down and to soft pedal the demands of discipleship to fit, to fit our culture and to, to fit uh, so many of the other desires and passions, the ones that probably should have been crucified back in Galatians 5, that the crucifying of the flesh with its passions and desires. And he says we tend to soft pedal the demands of discipleship in lieu of those things. We spiritualize and de-emphasize the radical nature of what Jesus is asking of us. Is calling us, inviting us into, calling us into, commanding us to embrace. Jesus said, let's go. Part of that is this this morning. Do Do you hear Jesus saying, let's go? Let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's step out down that road, out of our comfort zone, and into the risk of the kingdom. You know, for the disciples, the decision to follow him down that road is a decision to give Jesus everything. It's all stripped away. At this moment, right, at this moment in his ministry, it's not long now until he is arrested. It's on his very next trip that he's arrested. And at this moment in the ministry, it's all stripped away. Isn't it? The, the excitement of the crowds, you know, of everybody responding to Jesus and following Him. You know, the glitter, some of the miracles and the things that He did. He's not done. He's got one last miracle that we'll look at in the next couple of weeks that He, that he does. One significant that is, again, a parable. As he goes and raises Lazarus from the dead. But for the most part, as they stand at this moment, looking across the Jordan and down that road, it's all stripped away. The excitement's gone. There are no cheering crowds. There's, there's no applause. I mean, this is it. Do or, or die. The decision, will I surrender my very life to Jesus Christ? Will I abandon myself to the cause of Christ? Whatever the cost is. And there are no applause and no crowds. And it's very costly. Jesus says in Luke 14, is there under your second point again, he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Cannot. I mean, we need to hear that word. Whoever does not bear his own cross, crucify his old man, his flesh with his passion and his desires, and abandon himself to me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me down that road. He says, whoever doesn't do this, he says, can't be my disciple. The decision is not optional. This is the decision. This is discipleship. My friends, every person has to hear this call. Every person has to weigh this decision. Every person has to come to this point. Whether you're a youth and you grew up in the church and this is the stuff you've heard all your life and here's the thing, the point comes for every young person when they have, you have to hear this call for yourself. Your parents can't make the choice for you. They can't walk that road. They can't leave your comfort zone and go after Jesus to see your old life put behind you and a serious walk with Christ take place as you follow Him into a life of of risk and kingdom living. 
every person had to come to that moment. I saw it in my own children as they reached their teen years, and I saw it in my son very clearly. I'm going to owe him ice cream for mentioning him in a sermon. This is our deal. Um, you know, where, where that moment comes where he had to say, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church. There's all of this. I got this world out here. I got these people. I got all this stuff I'm involved in. And, and he saw that there's a point that comes that you've got to make a choice. Are you going to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus Christ or not? And when you do, it changes everything. See, this is the thing. Jesus is not so much looking for believers. In some ways, there are way too many believers in the church. Don't quote me out of context on this. Jesus is looking for followers. Do we understand that? And any faith, any believing that doesn't follow is not faith. Right? And there is a counterfeit that goes around in the church of believing in Jesus that has none of the marks of a crucified life. Crucified men and women denied themselves and taken up their cross and come after Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus into the jaws of death. It's not automatic. No one can do it for you, young and old. We have to stand with the disciples looking down this road, contemplating this cost. Now let me say this. There are some who have said, I've heard it said, that dying for Jesus is not so hard, actually. It's not hard to die for Jesus because that's a once and done. You know, if they went down the road... Bam, you know, within a day or so, it's over. I mean, that, the dying for Jesus actually isn't that hard because it is a once and done. What's hard, what's hard is living for Jesus. What's hard is not the once and done, but the thousands of choices every single day. Every single day, day after day, morning by morning, choosing to follow Jesus, choosing to love Him, to know Him, to pursue Him, to give our lives to His cause, to come after Him. That has to happen every day in the choice, in the face of every choice. What the world has to offer and the comforts and the, and the stuff that, that the world puts and entices us off the, the, sh- the narrow road of Christ to that broad way where the one who tries to save it will lose it. We live in a world that says, no to nothing. <laughs> right? we, live, we live in a world that denies itself nothing. That indulges itself in every way. And what Jesus is talking about, what Paul is talking about, is a life of holiness. You know, a life of service. A life of sacrifice. A life of, of thinking about being invested in His kingdom. Of, of, of abandoning ourselves. And what does that look like? Life of saying, not my will, but yours be done. As I face this, not my will. Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to spend it? How do you want me to live it? I've only got this much time. Jesus, what do you want me to do? But this is exactly where Christianity begins, isn't it? It's a great big no to ourselves. And a great big yes to Jesus. See, when Thomas chose not to stay on the far side of the Jordan, he said goodbye to his comfort zone, did he not? 
And they looked at Jesus and said, what? Going, going back to Jerusalem? Don't you understand? We're safe here. Don't you understand? It's comfortable here. There's no danger here. There's no risk here. There's bad men back that way. Comfort zone. You know it well. You like to live there. It's our zone. We like to camp. So I ask you, my friends, though. When Thomas said yes to go with Jesus, he embraced this life. And the question for us this morning is, are we? David Platt, a pastor and author, said that safety is no longer a goal because self is no longer our God. I mean, isn't that the crucified life? Safety is no longer our goal because self is no longer our God. But Christ is. And self stays on that side of the Jordan and I follow my God onto that side of the Jordan. No area of life. This is where we set everything to His control, all our pleasures and interests and desires, even our safety. No area of life is held back from His lordship, from His control, from His service. And My friends, where have we left our comfort zone? To serve the cause of Christ. It's a serious question that we have to come to again and again. There are many ways, as I said, you don't stand at the head of this road looking that way once. You know, the danger is to think you do it once. And those are the people who believe, you know, in Jesus. You stand and look at that road every day. You know, we stand and look down. Am I going to go that way today? In the choices that are before me now? With the resources that I have now? Are we playing it safe on the far side of the Jordan? Or are we following Jesus down the road of risk and sacrifice? Because the church of Jesus Christ needs followers of Jesus Christ. It's got plenty of believers. It needs followers who will go down this road, pursue the kingdom, pursue the cause. In what way are we denying ourselves to, to follow Christ? Where are you taking up your cross? To see your self-life crucified. Where do you need to forsake your comfort zone? To take some risks. Because Christ is your Savior. His Spirit lives within you. And His God reigns over us in sovereign power. Where are we becoming uncomfortable for the cause of Christ? Where do we embrace risk and outreach? And I think this and you just start thinking of a thousand ways. And this has to do with your, your life, who you are when no one is looking. It has to do with being serious about a life of holiness and conforming ourselves to the, to the life that is in Christ by the power of His Spirit that we get serious about holiness. But it, 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 it branches out in every way as I think about our church and I think about the things that we're, we're doing. And the, the church is the body of Christ. You are the church. You are the body. You are the hands and feet. You are the work of Christ in, in this area, in this community, in Hickson, in your family, in, in, in these boundaries. We are the kingdom of God manifest in this place in this time. And what does it look like to take up our cross and to follow Christ into it? To embrace risk. It can be a risk in outreach. I mean, I'm going to name things, things you already know, but things I keep, we keep putting out there because 
If 20% of the people do 80% of the work, they, they burn out. And so we constantly call the body to be the body, to be the hands and feet, to, to, to get your hands dirty and to go, to go out of your comfort zone, whether it's to teach English as a second language, you know, and not necessarily be the head teacher, but to come and assist someone. And then you learn how to do it. But we're constantly looking for those assistants, that second, who at some point may be the next generation. And if we wind up a ministry year, and as a lot of you know, I don't know for you, my small group meets two more times. You know, we're winding down. There's going to be changes in small groups. Sunday school is going to change. We're going to do things different as we wind into a summer. But summer is when we come after you looking for everyone to think about what are you going to do next. Because we need, we need ESL people. We need tutors to come twice a week and tutor children. We need people to sign up to help with the block party, which is a massive effort to reach out in our community and to meet needs. We need people who will step into the GSC opportunities as we may be going back to Cherokee and we'll certainly be going back to Acapulco. And the next trip, Josh and Cheryl and the Mullins and the Cutters will all be there uh, already. So there are, there are new opportunities for ministry, to embrace risk, to volunteer for and service. VBS is coming up. We need you handed a sheet. We need people, people who step across the Jordan, out of your comfort zone, and help to get things done, to reach out to the children in our community, to small group leaders. We're going to be signing up. We need a new team for the fall. We need Sunday school teachers, Kids Quest leaders. Celebration, service, and picnic, they're looking for some help to do that and people to bring food. We're looking for folks on work days, greeters, musicians. We need sound people. We need projection people, and the list goes on. Some of us will step back and, is this all that Jesus means when he calls us to die to ourselves? We are the kingdom of God in Hickson. We are the church of Christ and the body of Christ. And Jesus calls his people and he says, let's go. Let's do something. Let's head back in, into the fray, into the danger, into the risk. Step across. Get involved in the life of the church. Get involved in the lives of people. To get involved in the ministry and the lives of the community and the global outreach. Follow me. No one can do everything. But everyone must do something. It will cost you. There's sacrifice involved. What does Thomas find at the end of the road? What does Thomas find when he crosses the Jordan and he does follow Jesus and he follows him back to Bethany? What does he find at the end of his road? What happens at the end of the road? What does he discover? He discovers resurrection, doesn't he? All this talk of death. All this talk of dying to ourselves and crosses and and what does he find on the end of the, at the end of this road as he finds the Lord of life and the Lord of resurrection, the life giver, the, the, the giver of abundant life? Thomas didn't fully understand this, and we often miss it, that the road to Jerusalem, the road of risk and sacrifice, the road of the gospel, the, the answer to this call, he says, is, is, is the way of life. Paul says it like this in Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. It's what Paul's been talking about. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I was crucified, right? But I live. Christ lives in me. I died. 
but there's this life of faith, right? I'm crucified with Christ, and His life is born in me. As we follow Him in this way, are you looking down that dusty road to Jerusalem? I mean, I hope you are this morning. I hope in a new way you hear Christ call and you're looking at your life and saying, as you look at your life and say, is this the life that Christ intends? Is this, is this what he meant when he said, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me? That we would look at our lives and say, where am I denying myself? Where am I dying to myself? Where am I giving myself and abandoning myself to the cause of Christ, leaving my comfort zone? My friend, with Thomas, I would say to you this morning, let's go. Let's go with him that we may die with him. Let us turn our backs on the world and go with Jesus. And discover the joy of risk and sacrifice. And what you discover is that you've actually given up nothing. And you've gained everything. That the world that we cling to, the life that we cling to is like sand and dust in our hands. When the Bible tells us and our experience verifies that Jesus Christ is everything. And He is worthy of your all. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we confess that it is not hard to be lulled to sleep by the songs of this world by the calls of this world, by the many voices that surround us. I pray, Father, that through all the noise, through all the noise, may we hear the voice of Jesus saying, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's do something. Let's pursue the kingdom. Let's, Let's build. Let us give and be generous. Let us pour ourselves out. Father, as we do so, may we find as we abandon ourselves to Jesus that we would find Christ lives in us and He is more than enough. He is all and in all. May we know it. May we live it to Your glory and to our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.